today is Kari Madison, the Editor-in-Chief of JEI. She's been with the organization for three and a half years and has served as Editor-in-Chief for one year. And she just recently completed her PhD in Genetics and Molecular Biology. Kari, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, no problem. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that for you to, to talk about JEI and your educational journey and some of the things that are going on. Um, maybe you could start by telling us how you discovered JEI and, and what that led to for you. Yeah, so uh, I guess the one thing that might give a hint of how I discovered JEI is that my PhD was from Emory University. And so if anyone listened to uh, the first episode of the podcast with our founder, uh, Dr. Sarah Fankhauser, you will know that she's at Emory University. And so um, I joined the organization because Sarah was doing uh, a recruitment event at Emory in person and I saw the email and I'm a weird person and I will read every single email that is sent to me. Um, and so I read the email and I was like, oh, you know, this is interesting. I should go to this meeting. And I went and I think there's maybe like 10 people that showed up. Um, but, you know, I heard Sarah talk and I was like, this is a really cool idea. And um, what did she talk about? She talked about kind of the origin story of JEI, right? So like, why okay. did she start it? So, you know, that gap of science fair, but it does, the projects don't go further than that. And so how do we address that? But also, you know, what I, it was, it was catered towards right, getting volunteers. So what are the professional development opportunities and what could you get out of this while also making sure, right, our student authors are getting things um, out of the JEI process. So, you know, was you can learn what the editorial process is like. You can get experience reviewing papers. You can learn how to use a professional, you know, platform like editorial manager. And you know, I sat there and I was like, Sarah's a good, good salesperson. Like I, I will sign up. Um, and back in my day, this is how long I've been with the organization. We had to send in like a cover letter and CV via email because the process wasn't automated and someone had to like manually say, yeah, this person seems okay. We'll, we'll let them join. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to this meeting thinking you were going to volunteer potentially for something, but you didn't even know what it was. Yeah, I didn't have like a good idea. The website was, you know, a little bit different because this is back in fall of, you know, 2018 really. Um, and so the website looks different you know, the number of submissions was much less, the editorial staff was smaller. And so I was like, you know, this could be a fun thing to do. I'm a person that the busier I am, the better I tend to be at everything I do because I procrastinate less. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was like, sure, I'll add this to my plate and uh, can't get rid of me yet. <laughs> I'm still here. So once you got started, what were some of the first things you worked on? Yeah, so I started off as an associate editor. So I was one of the editors that when the manuscripts go out for scientific scientific review, um, I was the individual responsible for inviting the reviewers. And then once the reviews were done, um, our reviewers, you know, if anyone's listening and they've had uh, a manuscript with JAE, they'll know that they get a nice like editor's letter um, that's put together with all the comments from our reviewers. And so the main job of the associate editors to put together those comments and make sure that they're helpful, um, I guess, uh, use educational resources we have available or we know are available to help guide our authors, um, as well as make sure they're appropriate. So does this, is this something that actually needs to be done? And so 
uh, I started off in that role um, where I kind of managed the review process uh, and sent letters off to um, our managing editors who then read them over and said, yeah, you know what, this person did a good job and then uh, would send them off to the authors. And so I did that um, up until about February of 2020. And then at that time I was uh, contacted by the editor in chief um, at that time to join uh, as a managing editor. So kind of got um, an internal promotion to a higher editor role. And what did you think of that? Uh, managing editor role? Uh, it's it's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. When you <laughs> think of, you know, I think people think, right, editor-in-chief, you do all this work. Uh, no, the, the managing editors are really kind of the workhorses behind JEI, keeping things running. Um, they monitor. When I was a managing editor, we had a smaller crew and this is all caveated of COVID-19 hit and school shut down, right? And yeah, it changed everything, of, didn't it? Spring of 2020, we got hit with so many submissions we were not expecting. So we weren't prepped on the staff side because no one predicts a global pandemic. Um, it's not something that's easy to do. And so, you know, I was getting like two or three new submissions to my account each day. And the way the system works is it rotates through the managing editors and there's like five of us. So we were getting 10, 15 new submissions a day for like a solid month. Um, and so, you know, as a managing editor, I think I was overseeing like 30 manuscripts at a time. Um, and That's so you're, a lot. You're, yeah. And so you, you watch um, or, you know, kind of monitor them through all the processes, process mm -hmm. and like steps. And so... You, you look at them when they first come in and make sure, is it something that can go to review? And like, is it at a stage where the comments are gonna be useful to the student? And that's kind of part of the process of the pre-review. Um, and then you, you know, assign an associate editor to help manage the scientific review process. And then manuscripts come back and the managing editor is the one that okays everything that goes to the author. And then when authors resubmit, it goes back to the same managing editor. So. I would get revisions back and then I look at them and say, I think they've addressed everything appropriately, or I think it needs to go out for more review, or I need another set of eyes to help because I don't know. And then from there, we can make a decision of, do we need more revisions at the scientific stage or can we send it off to copy editing where we give line edits? And then, you know, we have a fantastic team of copy editors that our head copy editors manage. And as editor in chief, I can tell you those head copy editors are very self-sufficient. They need little help from me. Um, and it makes my job a lot simpler. <laughs> so, I, so you get started as a managing editor. You're getting all these emails. And were we using the platform that we use today, the editorial manager? Yeah. So we okay. switched to editorial manager like mid 2017, I think. So okay. we've been, been there for about five years. So what most people don't know is behind the scenes, there not only is there a huge network of people, but there is a sophisticated platform that is used by um, other journals and other um, entities that, that produce articles, kind of like JEI does. Can you talk just briefly about the benefits of using the editorial manager system? Yeah, I, I think simply put, we could not handle the volume of submissions we have without editorial manager. And so what it does is it's an automatic system where once we onboard our editors into it, and so what I mean by that is we're creating them accounts with the right permissions to do the function of their editorial role. Um, we can 
send the man manuscript to them and we can just assign it to them. Um, and they get the automatic email and they get access to all the files, right? I don't have to remember to attach something in an email. I don't have to go to an Excel sheet to say like, this person got this file. Editorial manager keeps track of all of that. Um, and what editorial manager also does is it keeps track of our correspondence history. So it allows me to go in, right? When someone emails me a question or something's going um, with a manuscript and we just need to answer a question, I can do that without needing to wait for someone to email me with what's going on. I can go in and see it. And so it really, it streamlines our process um, and it, it makes it much simpler to manage because at some points as editor in chief, I have all the old managing editor manuscripts. So when individuals decide it's time for them to leave. Um, and so at one point I was directly managing uh, about 50 or 60 manuscripts. And so without editorial manager, I couldn't have done that. <laughs> That's a huge number. Um, so you said at the beginning, when you were a managing editor, you're managing about 30. How much do the managing editors navigate today? Um, we try and keep it around 30 or, you know, 20 to 30. It, de it depends on kind of um, the time of year we're at. So we know, um, you know, right now as we're recording this, we're at the end of the academic year and that's a major time we see new submissions come in as students are um, finishing up projects and deciding to submit them and maybe work on them over the summer. Um, so they're gonna be busier right now um, than they would be, you know, say come like September, October, November, we're not super busy then. I mean, we get a steady flow, but students, you know, at that point are in the midst of school. Um, sure, especially just starting like, the school year. Yeah, starting the school year and then, you know, taking finals and prepping for exams. And so we see less then. So I don't, and I guess the other thing is that the 20 to 30, don't think of it as right. It's not 20 right at scientific review. Those are spread across the process. So they're going to mm -hmm. have a handful in pre-review, some in that scientific review stage, some that they're technically still responsible for. They're getting copy edited, some that are getting proofs made. And then there's also, there's still, the manuscripts on their account are still counted when they're with the authors. So when authors have manuscripts for revisions or we're waiting for proof edits, they'll still count towards the numbers. So there, there's kind of a mix. And so, you know, I tend to go more on how many new manuscripts and submissions are they getting a day or in a week? And we try and keep it so it's never at a point where they get more than two new submissions a day um, is how we try and decide how many managing editors we need. How does it feel to manage a process and a, a large group of volunteers? I mean, we have about 200. Um, knowing that you're communicating on a regular basis with middle and high school students. So, you know, you're not communicating with uh, fully grown adults, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, and you're trying to, to help them and provide a, a level of mentorship and growth while all while trying to do it somewhat quickly, because there's a, there's a lot going on. There's a lot. And, and in, the, in the meantime, most of our volunteers are um, full-time college students or have a full-time career. So, you know, what is that like from the perspective of your seat? Yeah, it, it can be stressful at times, not gonna lie, because there's a lot of, you know, pieces I have to juggle and, you know, make sure fit together. Um, but, you know, I think 
what guides me and what I try to do um, when I helped rewrite our handbooks and when I train new managing editors is keep in mind the scope of JDI, right? We're an educational organization meant to help our student authors learn science and science communication through the process of submitting and revising a scientific manuscript. And so, you know, keep that in, in the in the back of your head kind of helps of, you know, when we get emails from students, right, they might not always be professional, but right, we respond in a professional way because they may not know. And we hope that by example, maybe um, they'll pick up on, you know, here's how we communicate, um, you know, our managing editors, other editors um, are experienced in that. And so with them, it's more of keeping in mind that this is different than when, you know, we're in grad school and submitting our own work with how we interact with individuals is that we need to make sure everything we say, you know, here's why we're asking you to do this, not just do it. And so um, there's kind of like two pots of like my volunteers making sure they keep in mind, you know, the educational side and with our authors, what are we doing to make sure this is a positive educational experience for them? And that's kind of what I use to help guide, I guess, that idea. Do you see team members with JEI using this experience on their resume when they're applying to uh, jobs after they graduate? I would certainly hope so. I guess I don't fully know what people put on their resume when they apply <laughs> to jobs. Just um, curious. Yeah, I think I I think our volunteers would be remiss to not put it on their CVs or resumes when they apply. I think even I think obviously if they want to go into publication and work in like science communication or at a journal as an editor or any you know aspect of that, obviously it makes sense. But even if they don't, there's so much they can pull from this experience that you know is useful, right? we're learning how to write better by seeing other people's writing and saying, you know what, I really like how that was explained. Can I pull that into my own writing? Or I don't like this, but I have to figure out why I don't like it. Cause I've got to tell the student author why it doesn't work. And so there's all these, you know, broader skills you can pull into a job. Um, and so I, I hope our volunteers are putting it on their, you know, CVs and resumes and seeing that it has a broader scope to it. So when you look at the overall um, method and, and process that we use, I had a, a teacher recently say to me, it was the same as the process she experienced as a grad student, or not as a grad student, but as a professional in submitting her writing um, for publication. Do you feel like we really mirror that experience for young people? I would say based on my experience with submitting manuscripts and having them, you know, go out for review and when I get back and kind of the process, I would say, yeah, um, we really, we really do uh, mirror it. I think the only place we are different from most journals, at least um, in the biological sciences that I've had experience with is our copy editing stage. And that um, most places won't give you line edits of like, things to fix or suggestions of like how to move around paragraphs. That's pretty rare. And um, for professional journals, they might actually just send it back and say, you need to go to a copy editing service that you pay. But, you know, we're, we're not, we're not in that business. We're going to, we're going to help the students um, with that. And we're going to provide edits. And so our process is a bit longer because we do that and that um, can extend things out. But, you know, I think the students learn, too, when they see someone else directly line editing 
um, changes in their manuscript so they can see what's been done and why. That makes sense. Have you ever had a parent reach out to you and say, my child wants to submit their paper and I'm not even sure what the first step is or I'm not sure how to help them? We get quite a few emails. I got one just this morning of like, what do we do? And I'm like, please read our <laughs> submission guide. Like we have tools built for these situations because we know if you're coming in and your parent or your teacher or whoever your senior author is that's submitting hasn't ever submitted a paper to a professional journal before is going to be daunting, right? We're aware yeah. of that. And, so, and we don't want to be that way. No, 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 no. So we, we you know, we've really tried to build um, materials and resources uh, to help with that. So we have, you know, a submission guide that really walks you through how to not just submit your paper, but write it. And, you know, what are, what do we need in order to have a paper that we can review? Um, you know, on the editorial manager side, uh, I think some people uh, miss this, but we have a link on kind of our landing page there um, where authors can click and we have kind of a step-by-step -step guide of how to do the submission process. And we're currently working on a video to help with this as well. So we're, we're you know, always making resources. And what I will say is if anyone contacts me and, you know, has ideas for resources, we're more than happy to consider and do them. Um, we want to, we need to know, you know, what's not working and why, and we can fix it. So what inspires you when it comes to this type of work, volunteering um, to serve as the editor-in-chief, volunteering for three and a half years with the organization? Um, you know, what, what about it really um, gets you excited? What gets me excited? Oh, the tough questions are coming now. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think it's kind of to the idea of, um, I, you know, we're educational, we, we help students learn the process. And what I, what I like, and you know, my belief is that science isn't just science, it's, it's critical thinking is the basis of science, right? Is, you know, okay, we have this question, we wanna answer it, how can we answer it? Okay, well, do we have the tools to answer it? And how do we find those tools? And that all involves this critical thinking, critical analysis of what's available and what's not. And what gets me excited is students are learning this and then they can go forward and use it and they can use it in science. So they can become you know, a great geneticist, someone that's looking at human genetics disease and trying to cure them. You can have someone going into English and using critical analysis um, to look at I, I think of this, um, this is my, my tangent, there's these cool competitions called three minute theses uh, competitions where doctoral students have three minutes to talk about their work. And I attended Emory's a couple of years ago and there's these students in English that are looking at how literature is written by like male and female authors to see how cities are described and how it's differently described from a male perspective versus a female perspective. And how that, oh, that could- That must be really interesting. It's so interesting because they're using it to redraw maps of these cities when they were, you know, back in the 1600s to say, well, this is what was important to like, you know, the, the patriarchal male roles, but this is what yeah. was important to the females. And so they're redrawing these maps and it's just, it's amazing work. And that's the same process that we're using and that I use to do my work in genetics. And so 
you know, I think that's exciting to me is that kids are getting to learn this process and understand hopefully that they don't have to go into science to use what they learned with JI, that they could go into anything and still use these skills. And I, I think that's a great value that maybe we undersell, but I think it's important. It is important. When you talk about the scientific process, the steps for publishing, you help a student take that science experiment um, or experience that they've had in the classroom and then write about it. That's huge. I mean, there's so many additional things that they can learn from that. When you see some of the um, manuscripts that come in, are there any that stood out from a perspective that was maybe a little bit humorous or unique or um, something you never thought about um, writing about? Well, now I'm going to sound like a broken record. So I'm going to go back to this like English language idea, but we had one. I don't remember if it was published in 2020 or 2021, but you can go to our website and you can look it up. But someone looked at words associated with war in different languages. So, right, if you think of like French and German, um, I'm not a Spanish speaker, so I can't speak on that regard. But there's like feminine and masculine. Um, uh, in other languages. Yeah, and like nouns, yeah. I'm thinking like dirty das in German. Um, and so they're looking at, you know, words associated with war are more of a masculine versus feminine versus neutral. And, you know, the ones that aren't masculine, because shocker, a lot of them are masculine, <laughs> you know, what are the ones that aren't? And they were, they were looking at that and work like that is interesting. The other work I find really interesting is a work that's not done in an established or like well funded like science program. So it's something that like you could do in your kitchen, right? But that's the work I find mm -hmm. fascinating because you know that those kids have passion and they're doing whatever they can to get this work out. And it's some of the, the you know, coolest results I've seen and their passion shows in their writing. And I think that's, you know, really interesting to me. Um, that's a really important message because we really do encourage students to write and, th and they don't have to be experienced. This is part of getting the experience. They don't have to have done this before. It doesn't have to be a two-year study. I mean, it, it really can be something simple and they should be writing for their peers. Yeah, it, it can be, you know, as simple or as complex as you want it. I would say if you've never done it before, start off simple, right? You gotta, you gotta walk before you can run. So start off with something simple. Um, you know, what makes you, what is interesting to you? And like our requirements are, is that you have a hypothesis that you can test, right? And so something you can test through experimentation. So actually doing some work to get the results and not that you just do a quick Google search and the results pop up. We're not going to take that. That's kind of, you know, one of our main limitations, but it can be It's called anything. plagiarism, isn't it? <laughs> well, there's plagiarism. There's uh, also uh, review papers where you can basically summarize what's already oh, known in sure. the field and kind of, you know, make new conclusions on that. We're not as keen on those. Um, we'll probably send those back to you, but we'll give you ideas on how to actually make it into hypothesis driven work. Um, yeah, don't plagiarize, please. We, we will send those back. <laughs> but yeah, you can do, you can do, you know, simple projects um, and they're fascinating and, you know, it's really what makes the student curious and do they have the passion and the curiosity to do the work and then want to write it up, right? This should never be something where a student 
is being forced to write the manuscript by someone um, and really aren't into it, you know, the students that are involved, interested and want to do it will produce, you know, great manuscripts um, and they'll get the most out of it because they care. Do you hear from teachers much? Uh, we hear from teachers on occasion. So we, I don't know the exact split, but, you know, we have a requirement of senior authors. And so we need an adult to submit the manuscripts through our system. And so sometimes that's a parent or guardian uh, and other times that's the teacher or a research mentor. And so we hear from teachers on occasion. And, you know, when I have teachers that email me questions, right, my response is always, you know, let us know if there's anything else we can do to help. And I've talked to a couple, you know, about, you know, what are your concerns? What were the issues you saw with the process and how can we make it easier on teachers, right? If we're asking them to submit. And so we've heard some about, you know, what we can do and we're, we're looking into it, but overall from teachers, you know, they've had a good experience and, you know, they're excited for their students um, and excited to kind of see what their students do next. And, you know, I, I say once the teachers mentored a student through the process once, I think it's a lot simpler for them to then mentor additional students. So it's kind of like the first one's probably going to be the toughest for you. But once you get to that, it's only going to get easier because you'll have a better understanding of the process and you can only gain that level of understanding by doing it. That's really true. And once teachers do that, they've often told me that they find it easier, they encourage their students, they integrate it into their curriculum in some cases or it's a capstone experience for students. And what an amazing way for a student to maybe uh, summarize a project or a school year or multi-years of, of working on something. So Kari, we're, we're getting closer to the end here. Um, and we haven't talked about what's next for you. You just graduated. It's probably been a long year of, um, you know, earning your degree as well as uh, being the editor in chief. I know it's not an easy job. So um, what's going on with you? Um, I guess first off for your tired comment, um, I would like to take a very long nap, um, but I have <laughs> too much other stuff to do. So uh, we'll take the mini naps when we can get them. Um, so I'll, I'll be sticking around at JEI um, for the foreseeable future uh, and plan to, you know, I'll be, the editor-in-chief, you guys can't get rid of me yet, um, for <laughs> at least a little while longer. But, you know, even when it comes time for me to pass that role on to someone else, um, I'm definitely going to stick around with JEI for a while. Uh, in terms of, like, professionally, um, I'm going to be going to the University of Minnesota, uh, the Twin Cities campus, and I'll be um, in St. Paul at the College of Veterinary Medicine. Um, and I'm going to be working as kind of like a staff scientist lab manager um, in a lab that works on antimicrobial uh, resistance in poultry. And so um, the exciting part about that for me is that my undergraduate degree is actually in animal science. So I'm kind of combining my undergrad and graduate degrees um, in this new job. And so should be exciting. That's awesome. So even though um, you're changing location, um, it really doesn't affect us because we operate virtually throughout the United States. Correct, yeah. So everything we do, I, I send a lot of emails. I think on my JI email, there's over 1,100 sent emails on my account right now. And most of those have come from since I've been editor in chief. 
Uh, and I think as a lot of organizations have learned through uh, this pandemic we're, we're working through is that, you know, Zoom and all these other forms of communication really make it easier to allow people to kind of work from wherever. And so at JEI, we're fortunate that we can manage our team of editors and reviewers um, all remotely. And it, it's been- And they're spread well throughout us. the entire country. And mostly throughout the uh, US, we do have some um, located internationally as well because it's all remote. So, you know, you can be really anywhere and work with us. That's awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, anytime.